I hope we're recording right now because I want everyone out there to acknowledge my new aesthetic. I want everyone out there to know 15 minutes ago, this was just a brick wall and then I fucking recondoed my space and now it looks like this. Where is um, Joanna Gaines? When we come went? on now. Oh, come on now. You're coming Give me for Joanna her gig. Gaines. I love that. Coming for her gig. <laughs> okay. The way you just said uh, okay was the way Kristen Welker said okay after Trump said he was the least racist person in the room. <laughs> <laughs> like, she goes, That's so okay. funny. <laughs> I love it when he says that, by the way. It's my favorite. R O U T I N E routine. <laughs> routine. Oh, I see, I get a routine. That's like routine. <laughs> what do we want? Progress. How do we want it on a routine basis? <laughs> so true. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Richard. Jumbo. My name is Nick, and welcome to Routine Progress. Yes, Routine Progress, a podcast in which we explore the difficult and desirable things that you all want to hear about. Yes, and to be clear, we're not here to tell you how to feel about it. No, not at all, because a little secret here, we're not experts yet. We may seem like it, but we're not exactly yet. We're, we're just here on a journey to better ourselves and the world around us. Exactly, and we plan to do that through exploring deeper conversation. With reason-based logic and just all around good vibes because that's all that anyone needs is good vibes. So good vibes for everybody, man. Oh, look, just a disclaimer. Uh, this episode was filmed two days after the final presidential election debate on October 24th. And another disclaimer, uh, I had finished just fact-checking said debate when we recorded, so I'm riding hot. Yeah, <laughs> Nick is riding hot. He's fact-checking and full of fury, so fucking prepare yourself. <laughs> Shout out to the new podcast name, Fact-Checking Full of Fury. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the stage, Fact-Checking Full of Fury. Coming to the stage. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to anyone who's listening. Like, that is, it's so cool to be able to share what we're doing here, which honestly means so much to me as much as we goof around, I really, really believe in the message of what we're doing, which is just to kind of help people think better and think deeper and comprehend issues that maybe they wouldn't look into otherwise. And we just want to really thank everybody that's taken the time to like listen to watch the podcast on video and everyone that's shown support. It really means a lot. And we're, and we're, we're loving, we're loving the vibes we're getting from everybody. So we're definitely on a mission to send those vibes back out. Um, Okay, cool. So, um, Richard, what are we talking about today? So this week we're gonna we're gonna quickly go over the very last debate that we all just watched, and then we're gonna talk about uh, in our cultural review. I don't know if any of you have watched Pen Fifteen on Hulu, but we're gonna take a little bit of a deep dive into that as well. And then, of course, like we do every single week, Nick and I are gonna tell you what we are on one about. <laughs> and it's been one of those weeks where I'm on one about a lot of things, but I. Whoa. I had to pick on one seems to be one of these things where like you may think you know what you're on one about at the beginning of the week, but 2020 specifically will show you what you're on one about on a daily basis. Honestly, though, a daily basis. Um, 
Yeah, great. Cool. So let's just like jump right in because I want to make this like, I want to, we have a lot to get through. We have a lot to get through. So much to get through. And like, even though the debates like are not, we like they were not as exciting as they, as maybe the town halls were the first one, which is honestly a good thing because politics is not supposed to be a reality show. First and foremost, I just want to let everyone else know, like, this is (laughs) (laughs) Um, but there's so, I feel, I went through fact checking and I was like, just there's, it's unbelievable. I think I just need, we need to go back and forth and give our little, like our overall opinions, because I think just like a general gist of like, what were, what our feelings were about this one compared. Cause again, like the last time we had this pod, we did this, we were talking about the town halls, which was a totally different experience. Yeah. The first one with the, with the yelling debate, like the fucking, <laughs> that was the reunion episode like that, that extreme, but Yo, so, nation. So um, overall, like overall, quite honestly, like I, what I took away from this last debate was it wasn't, again, it wasn't anything new for me. I, I just got to see I witnessed Trump personally sink deeper into his manic state that he's in frequently. Did you did you say you thought Trump was more manic than last time? I yeah, in terms of not not in terms of his anger, you know, that had to be dialed down a little bit because of the circumstances of this debate specifically, but just like in terms of his like lies that he tells, like when he or the, the, the narratives that he spends, like when he talks about Biden selling sheets and pillowcases or whatever he says, it's like, what crazy grandpa? Like, what are you talking about now? Trump, what he did was he brought down his level of, of like craziness, like overtly craziness, but it's actually, in my opinion, more dangerous because it makes the lies he say seem more credible by saying, he still said the mo- he still said more lies, if not the same amount that he did in the first one or in the second one, but because he's like presenting himself as like more quote unquote presidential because he got so much backlash from the last two that it, it it's like, you're like, oh, this is politics is normal when it's still not normal. Like, it's just like, I just, I think Biden really missed a lot where he didn't put things in context. He, he, Trump wins when you are on defense, when he presents the argument or presents the allegation or presents the false fact, and you're defending against that false falsity. Cause what it requires is for you to have to sit down and educate people. But if you have to, he, he didn't bring the context out and say, let's talk about the broader issue. We, <laughs> I was thinking as I was going through these fact checks, I'm like, this should the fact that we have to fact check to this degree a presidential debate is insane. I think you should run everybody through your fact checking list because that's the most important. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great. Okay, so listen, I'm just gonna go like down the line and like you just feel free to jump in because I got Ooh, go I want to make this. I mean, do we have to talk about coronavirus? I feel like everyone in the world knows no i'm gonna tell you why we do have to talk about it for like 10 seconds only because he's still pushing that narrative of it's gonna go away it's gonna disappear and he's going against everything that every scientist is saying as far as when a you know vaccine is going to be produced and um also very easily escaping that whole narrative of like oh i was just joking when i talked about bleach so like yeah he's still doing that shit I also want to tell you that was a pretty good Trump impression, by the way. Ah, look at that. Okay, okay. I'm working on that shit. Um, what I did want to bring up that I that I've struggled with when I hear it, because I do think it's one of the more like main arguments that Trump is making is when he's like, when he talks about what he did to prevent coronavirus, he talks about China and his ban for China. And there's yeah. a lot of holes in that argument as well. So basically he says like, oh, I, you know, banned China and you called me uh, xenophobic and what, and then people say it would have been so much worse without. So that happened. So yes, he did ban travel from China on February 10th, 
but there were exceptions to that as well. So if you were fam- if you had family in America, you could come in. If you were a citizen of America, you could come in. And if you um, were a permanent resident, you could come in. So even though he banned things from China, people were still coming in from China while that was happening. Right. And then not only that, but he didn't ban travel from Europe until March 14th. So that was a whole month. And so what the, the actual experts are saying about this is that even though like it started in China, by the time we all realized that the coronavirus was a thing, it had already spread through Europe. So all the people coming from Europe for that month while China was banned, were bringing the coronavirus into New York where our first hotspot was anyway. So you yeah. saying that you banning China is like the biggest thing in the world. And if it didn't, you didn't do that. We would have been so much worse is actually completely just bullshit. Like, yeah, Sorry. It's, not, it's not something to, to like, you know, brag about. It was just another step in the process that needed to happen. <laughs> I mean, listen, like, I, I mean, it, the only reason people jumped on it is because Trump is known for being xenophobic and racist. So it's like yeah. people, all the criti- critics of him were like, you're act. And like, again, he's pushed this whole thing of like, oh, the Chinese virus, the China, you know, the plague from China, like blaming it on because his his whole this is what I wish a side note, like I wish Biden had focus on more is like Trump, all he does is blame other people. If you're really saying you're a good president and you're a strong man and you can do everything, you don't blame other people. You don't sit there and say, it's it's the Democrats fault. It's this person's fault. It's the other person's fault. It's the the people in charge's fault. Like it's their people, like, the media's fault. Like if you're really a good pr- president, you'd be able to do this stuff on your own without blaming everyone around you. Like a, as, as Bill Maher calls him a whiny little bitch. Oh, he's Ooh. such a whiny little bitch. And it's like he, you know, the, the 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 diverting that happens anytime he's, you know, brought to task about anything. He's like, as soon as you say the word coronavirus in front of him, he's like, H1N1. <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, not only that, but that wasn't even only the Obama administration's fault. That was also the WHO, the CDC as well. So it's like, they, they were listening to the scientists, but the scientists at the time didn't know what they were doing. So even blaming the Obama administration for not knowing better, like they were listening to the scientists. So if we have to fix anything, it's those programs rather than pulling out of the WHO, which Trump did, which doesn't help make anything better. It's just very valid. And also that's just, that's not how the measure of guilt works. You can't look at somebody who's literally murdered someone and say, hey, you killed those people. And then they tell you, well, you know, you get angry a lot too. That's just like not how that goes, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this, again, uh, this tale is old as time of Trump's deflection. What's the next? next, uh, Trump claimed that Biden received $3.5 million from Russia, which was fact-checked and is false. It was an allegation against Hunter Biden that a firm he was in called uh, Rosemont Seneca Thornton received $3.5 million from Russia in 2014. And there's no evidence that that was a corrupt payment. All of it's been debunked and he just still pushes the same BS narratives and his base eats it up. So I will give him that. He knows how to serve it to his people. Well, I think the most important point of this specific claim is that he claimed Biden got the money, which is completely yeah. false. Well, and that's and then, what I mean like, by sinking deeper into his mania. Like he goes with the same narratives, but now there's a different twist on them. Now, instead of Hunter received the money, you receive the money. Well, this is my biggest critique of the entire thing with all of Trump's lies is that he takes semi-real figures or semi-real things that really happen and then just puts a whole layer of bullshit on top of it. So there's like a, a, there's a nugget of truth in it, but he just then pushes it far beyond what the actual truth is. So it's like okay. people who want to defend him can say, oh yeah, that's a real number or that really happened, but there's no context. At the very worst case scenario, Hunter Biden was maybe like using his father's name to say that he had more clout than he did, which is like 
not any different than what Trump kids are doing. Yeah, uh, if you want to go down a list of how many times Trump kids have probably done that in their lifetime, like- it, Oh, it, Trump has not divested any of his business from since becoming president. So he's making money on the Trump, or even though he doesn't run the Trump organization, Donald Trump and Eric Trump are still making millions of dollars a year for Donald Trump. He is still profiting off of that. He yeah, said in, he said after he was going to become president that he would not it, he would not pursue any more foreign deals. And they've explored deals in Ireland, Indi- India, Indonesia, Uruguay, and they've gotten licensing Trump's name in Turkey and the Philippines. So it's like you're claiming that there are deals being done by one person in in 2014 that was from a, le- a real company when your kids are in office propagating off of your your name. Yeah, it's it's just deflecting. He's not even good at it though. It's just really poor deflecting, you know. And one and one more thing, on the day Trump met Xi Jinping in 2017, that same day, China gave three trademark approvals to uh Ivana, Ivanka Trump for her jewelry, handbags and spa services and since he's become president, she's gotten more than 10 dozen Chinese trademarks and since the entering the White House. So it's Jesus like Christ, why is nobody talking about that? Well, we are, but they're shameless, right? So that's the problem. If people don't have shame, you can't, they, like, they're not going to care about it. Yeah. Biden has never been involved in any of it in terms of people have investigated and he's never been like said to do anything inappropriate, whatever. Another fact that I know you probably have on your list of debunk that just reminds me of the whole like Obama administration and cages thing. It's like he takes that to such an extreme, but there's truth to that statement. Those cages were built during the Obama administration. The Obama administration did actually separate some kids from families, but they only did it in extreme cases where the parents who brought them were bringing over drugs, were criminals. So what happened in, in when Trump became president is that Jeff Sessions decided to make every single parent and child who crossed the border illegally criminally prosecuted, which right. never had been done. Now, right. every single person who crosses the border because it is technically illegal are criminally prosecuted, which is- Now, now there is no more seeking asylum. Now they're all just criminals. Right, because it is illegal to cross the border without like, if you, like, again, if you don't go through whatever the-, the Proper uh, channels, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, we never, it was never a thing to be criminally prosecuting people for that before. What else is on your fact checklist? Um, okay. Uh, I'm trying to, I have so many things I don't want to know. So do you want to talk about foreign? I have, these are the issues to talk about foreign policy, race, immigration, climate, uh, healthcare. (laughs) There are lies in each of those topics. Oh, multiple lies in each of those topics. The whole episode fact checking this guy. That's crazy. Um, okay. Let's just talk about race for a second. Very quickly. Trump said that Biden called blacks in in 1990 super predators which he did never did he never called blacks super yeah. predators he, right. he he did at one point say um uh what's the quote here he said uh, he did say predators were out in the streets when he was supporting the 1994 crime bill but he did not call blacks specifically super predators which is problematic but also he ap- he officially apologized in the debate so it's like yeah so that's what, that's what i was going to say that's the most important thing there right we keep talking about like uh there's this narrative of he called black people super predators or not. That's not nearly as important to me as what he did with the crime bill and how much damage that actually caused. But that, however, is not nearly as important to me as him standing up on a stage in front of the American people and saying, I was wrong. I created something that was bad. I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Yes, I support. Yes, I'm going to support reform for the things that I instilled. And I was wrong. That Donald Trump could never, ever do that. Ever. And the other thing is like, he, as he said in the debate, every like a hundred, I think 
a hundred senators supported that bill. It's not like he was the only one pushing for this like racist bill that everyone knew was racist. It was, it was at the, the America was just racist in the past. Like we've been, this is a thing we know that we're getting yeah, America, less racist. America has a racist past and that was a racist reflection of those racist times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, and also if you're going between Biden or Trump, who do you think is less racist? Like, let's be clear about the, the, the choices we have here. Yeah, if you're not adding delusion into the mix, like you can think whatever you want about Trump, but if you're talking mm -hmm. about who was more or less racist, which is not a legitimate conversation at all, but if you were having that weird ass conversation, the choice in that is very obvious. Okay, um, another thing I, 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 I picked up that I wanted to talk about in immigration is that Trump said less than 1% of immigrants show up to the court proceedings when they're let, like the catch and release program that he was claiming that was horrible. Oh, that's wait, a, that, yo, that's so false, right? So listen, tell me if I have this statistic wrong, right? Isn't 17% the amount of people who didn't show up? According to the Justice Department, 75% of people do return. Only like 25% or less don't. Yeah, that's so crazy. Like, how can you just take an actual statistic and flip it for your, yo, that's, yo, that's next level mind manipulation right there. His own Justice Department says this. And this is what's so frustrating. It's like, how can we just let someone, I mean, we're letting, I mean, whatever, let someone is whatever. But like, he just says complete untruths, like lie. I, not even untruth, it's a fucking lie. Moving on to foreign policy really quick. The other thing that he kept screaming about for five minutes said, China's paying the tariffs. China's paying the tariffs. That is a bald face lie. Study after study has shown that American people pay for tariffs. When, it, when, it, when an import from China comes into America and we have a tariff on that import, it just makes the price higher for Americans. Yeah. So we are paying the tariffs. China is not paying. And then Trump goes, and then I gave $28 billion to farmers from taxpayer money. He took it out of the deficit, which is the highest it's ever been, to give back the money that they lost because he started a trade war that made no fucking sense. It's like, ugh. It's like, hey, I cleaned up my mess with all of your cleaning supplies. So like, thank me for it. I, I, <laughs> I don't mean to sound so angry, but it just like, I get really frustrated with, with having to, de to, to fact check a president to this degree. It just seems so backwards. So much of it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, it really does. Um, okay, and I just, this is connected to my later, but I have to talk about climate change for a second. Um, so one thing I really wish that Biden would have talked more about in climate change is about connecting the world. Because yeah, we can talk about America's numbers on climate change and whatever we're doing or not doing, but we need the entire world to come together to make this happen because it is a global crisis and it doesn't matter what we do or not do. If we don't get our allies together, which Biden can do much better than, well, I mean, obviously much better than Trump. That's the key goal. And he didn't really frame it in that way that like, this is about unifying the world together. Um, and I guess Trump is against globalism, but it's like, yeah, or simply, I don't think he took them to task enough about it simply being about science. Like, man, there's information out there that shows you the direction again we're not going to get into too into this right now but there's there's information out there that shows you the direction that this world is headed and he flat out is pretty much like anti-science at this point <laughs> donald trump so like i mean he's been anti-science yeah so like i think there's really more of a, a space there for biden to really take in the task about like the way he ignores pure science it's just it's scary and it's harmful man it's really harmful i mean it's existentially harmful yeah.
Um, so a couple more fact checks. Carbon. Trump said about climate change, the best carbon emission number, we have the best carbon emission numbers in 35 years. So this is also misleading, of course. Um, they went down and we have the lowest numbers since World War II, but most of it was due because of COVID-19. So current numbers because of the pandemic have dropped emissions a lot. So it's yeah, like a very yeah. fragmented version of the numbers. And not only that, but they, they keep going down because of Obama's policies. Just And it says, in spite of Trump's deregulation. So it keeps going down, even though Trump is doing the opposite of what makes them go down. So it's like yeah. he's taking credit for something that he is doing the opposite effect of. That's, that's his thing, man. Like, again, take credit for the good stuff and dog the bad stuff, man. Like, that's his MO. So he also said, we have the cleanest air and water. So both of those are obviously false. Yeah, yeah. Um, U.S. is 16th in air quality in the world, according to Yale and Columbia. And studies show it's worsened during the Trump administration. Um, it's increased 5.5% from 2016 to 2018, despite going down for the better part of a decade. It's so, crazy how many people believe him about this stuff because he obviously sounds like he's BSing too. And he's like, I go to these other places and the air is very bad. They've got very bad air. And it's like, that's not what you're saying isn't real. I know it's not real. Oh, I, I, I we know but obviously like people listen to just Trump and think that that's the real world. Yeah, um, like, and then on- I've been to Angola there, it's beautiful there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so in terms of also water, we're 26 in the world for water sanitation, drinking water, according to the environmental performance index. That's so real, like, real scary. So yeah, Trump, we have the cleanest air and the cleanest water. <laughs> um. But one final thing I have to talk about is Biden. So Trump said Biden, oh, Biden says he opposed fracking. So this is actually false. He did say he would eliminate it in 2019 debate. Yeah, he said uh, he eliminated it altogether. But then in 2020, he said he would oppose new fracking. And then today, and then the debate recently, just the other day, he said over time we're going to get rid of it. Yeah. And I just, I just need a moment to um, say that this idea of fracking being a big issue is actually not a big issue for America. It's a big issue for Pennsylvania voters. And the only reason, and the way the electoral college works is that they're they're targeting certain voters on issues because they need those states to win. So the yeah. only reason fracking is even brought up by Trump at the debates or Biden is dropped, brought up at the debates is because there are people in Pennsylvania that they need to win to win the election because our election system is not a, a majority. It is a targeted electoral college vote for specific voters that have more power than the rest of the country, which, which is, is so problematic. Yeah, so is, high key problematic, straight up. This is my PSA. We must get rid of the electoral college. It no. is an antiquated, non-helpful uh, program anymore to our country. service, our voices, our votes, none of that. The electoral college is garbage. When it was created, it was designed because they thought people were too dumb and too disconnected from American politics to know how to vote. So they 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 uh, appointed electors in each state that would be aware of what's happening in the politics yeah. of the nation. That is no longer a thing. Yeah. Even state-run elections, even local elections, are run by who supports what presidential candidate. So the fact that we need electors to vote on behalf of the people is no longer a thing because we have a real. cell phone, we have internet. Yeah. Dude, everything. especially because we're in 2020, like we have the ability to sit down in front of our. Uh, information sources and research who we're voting for individually by ourselves in our own time and space like yo it's not needed we all know that let's let's trash let's get rid of that shit yeah so um that's my biggest psa today um actually that's not my biggest psa get ready um <laughs> <Not your biggest>. uh, <laughs> 
Um, okay, final, final before I move on. Um, healthcare. Um, Trump again. This is like the bold-faced lie that I can't stand. Oh as he God. says, we're going to talk about pre-existing conditions right now. Well, I, we already talked about that, so we know. Like, <laughs> I don't. I'm not going to bring that up because it's like beating a dead baby. But like, oh um, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Trump claimed this time in screeching five times. This is what he, he screams it five times in a row just so people like, he like manipulate, you know what I mean? It's like brainwashing. He, yeah. he says, Biden wants socialized medicine. Biden wants socialized medicine. It's not true. He has, he does, he's not, he's, in, he's not taking away private insurance. He's adding a public option and yep. all that. And that's not taking away private insurance. I mean, it's giving people a choice simply. That's I mean, it. I, if I had my choice, I would say we should have like completely universal health care, but he's not doing that. <laughs> like, yeah, even exactly. He's not even doing what I want. Um, and then yeah, uh, big prop, I will say big props to Biden. Like that's a soundbite that I definitely remember. Like healthcare is not an option. It's a right, you know? Yeah. And every other major industrialized rich country does this. Has yeah, universal health? They guarantee healthcare for anyone. It's, anyways. Um, uh, just to be like bipartisan here, I will say Biden did say he no one was kicked off private insurance because of Obamacare, which is not true. Um, millions of people were removed from their private health insurance plan because it did not meet the health care law requirements, which is things like pre-existing conditions. If a if an insurance plan didn't protect against pre like uh, give you a plan because of pre-existing conditions, they would be disbanded. And therefore that person would have lost their health care and have to go into find an Obamacare approved uh, insurance. So it's like, yeah, people were kicked off, but even in the beginning when people were kicked off, they, for the first year, they let people stay on because people got mad. So it's like, they were listening to the people doing the best they can, trying to get more health care for more people. Why is that controversial? Why is trying to give as many people health care as possible controversial? Yeah, man, just because it's politicized. And I will say on the far right that a lot of being a far right extremist, I'll even add the label extremist. So I seem a little bit more universal, but sometimes having superior care is what matters most than like having universal care, you know? So that's really what it means to some people. They just want the option to have better access and whatever it is more so than, than others. And that's why uh, it's bullshit it's not gonna affect the majority of people in essence. And, and it'll prevent long-term diseases because you'll be able, people are not going to doctors for years at a time and not realizing they should change their diet. Just the fact of someone having a checkup twice a year, going to a doctor and having a doctor tell you, oh, you should eat a little bit more healthier. Oh, you shouldn't be smoking. Oh, you shouldn't be doing this. That having a, a professional tell you that throughout your life makes you make more conscious choices to take care of yourself better. And we, yeah, don't, focus on, does, we don't focus on how to prevent disease. We only focus on how to pay for people who are on sick. how to treat it. Yeah. And how to keep people sick and keep them on medicine to keep them buying and paying for prescriptions. Like it's all a sick game, man. Like the, the American healthcare system is largely not founded on prevention. It's founded on, uh, you know, money and dollar signs. Well, and that, that, this is the bad side of capitalism, right? Like, yeah, capitalism does make more inventions, more progress in a lot of ways. But when you're talking about things about it, that need incentives, like no comp, like this is why the pharmaceutical company owns the private insurance company because they make a lot of money through it. So there's no incentivization for any of these people to give better healthcare for less money. So you, that's in certain cases where you need governments to come in and make sure it gets done. Otherwise, if there's no incentives to make money off of it, capitalism is not going to solve the issue. That's it. 
Okay, okay, I, I, I step off my soapbox. I step yeah. down. <laughs> Are you drinking just orange juice? It's actually green tea. It looks ah. like piss. <laughs> <laughs> or like, or like if I drank too much protein piss, you know what I mean? <laughs> You're fucking awful, man. You've never done that? No, of course I have, but like I didn't tell the world about it. <laughs> Everyone knows. Everyone knows. Everyone knows about my protein piss, okay? <laughs> You know if you're a, if you're a bro who drinks <laughs> Okay, um, shall we move on to a little bit of a lighter topic for the moment? Yeah. Okay, great. What is this? Are we talking about cultural review right now? Yeah. So our cultural cultural review today. Cultural review. Cultural review. Okay. Um, so, so we're talking about um, the show Pen15 on uh, Hulu. And I also want to say we're not only going to talk about Hulu shows. We're going to talk about other shows. You <laughs> can't help but Hulu's serving it up right now. That's not our but problem. If, but if Hulu wants to sponsor us, I would just Oh, straight up. Shout out for the sponsorship, Hulu. It. We appreciate y'all. <laughs> we're giving you free advertisement right now. Yeah, man. Two yeah. weeks in a row. Sponsor those boys. Um, Richard, you did mention, I think I over spoke over you, but what does pen 15 actually mean? Penis. <laughs> <laughs> it, does, it does literally just read as penis. But yeah. yo, no, on, on really though, I think I think pen 15 is so good, man. So pen 15 is a, a show written and created by Maya Erksine and Anna Conkle. And I apologize if I've said those names wrong. Oh, you said that um, perfectly actually. Okay, great. Um, and it's basically the comedy story of, of middle, uh, middle school seen through the eyes of two seventh grade girls dealing with the awkwardness of being a teenager in the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a good, pen 15 is a good coming of age uh, show. Uh, these two, these two people, Maya and Anna, they are 30 year old women, 30 something year old women. Yeah, and they're yeah. playing teenagers, which is the funniest, funniest part about it all, man. Because they, I mean, I don't, they don't blend in at all times, but for the, for the most part, you know, they, they blend pretty well, I think. Well, and they hire like real kids to play their co-stars. So it's like <laughs> these, like, these weird, these 30 year olds playing like, 12 and 13 with real 12 and 13 year olds, which only makes the whole thing so much funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I just think it's so funny because it takes you through like, man, it just goes through the most awkward times of adolescence. But yeah, so they, 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 in Pit 15, they explore topics like uh, being the different one in school or being, you know, sort of the outcast for whatever reason. You can find to be the outcast. There are a million te teenagers are awful, so there are a million reasons you can find to be the outcast. Um, but they talk about you know uh, early sexual discovery. Uh, Hence the word penis. <laughs> what I love so much about the characters they create, though, is that they are not the cool kids. They are the ones who are so self unaware about what they're doing and how they're trying to be cool. But what I love about what they chose to do with these characters is that. They never have self-doubt. They never, like, they, they get down, obviously, but they, they're fighters. They 100% they 
awkwardly move on in full confidence and everything. Yeah, <laughs> I really appreciate the, the, the subtle spin on like, yeah, shit, you do some horrible, embarrassing things. You get made fun of, you get like all these like horrible things happen to you. You don't know who you are, and all, but, but them presenting it in a way it's like, no, fuck, we're going to keep trying. No, we're going to make this happen. We're going to keep going. Like that is just a great message. I think on top of the hilarity that they ensue to put out there. I also think they, I mean, they they just touch really sensitive topics and they do it really well. Like I can say that it wasn't, you know, until I watched Pin 15 and maybe I'd had the thought before, but didn't, you know, think too deeply about it. But man, the, the trauma that girls go through to be like the first one or whatever number you fall in line for having boobs. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you're number one, you're probably like, oh, she's she's that girl. But if you're like later on in that shit, then you're like, I don't know. Then 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 you're, you know, what do they call it? You just ugliest girl in school. You're probably you just, you know? And shit like that. Like, you know, one of them in the first episode is called you just like the ugliest girl in school. And she finds out and like, yeah, she's like devastated for a minute, but then she like comes back and she's like, I'm going to not be you just like she figures out a way to bring herself up and like do better and like fight for, for her place in, in the, in the society of the high school, of the middle school, which is like, I think the message we should all be getting or has given to those to kids in that age or to people like me who want to get over their trauma more. <laughs> <laughs> I was pretty fucking cool in middle school, man. I must say. <laughs> of course you were. Of course you were. Dude, one other thing that I really appreciate about this story is, you know, just their bond. You, you, you go through... To be honest, who knows if they would even remember each other later in life because that's how middle school is. You know what I'm saying? But like they definitely like found their awkward soulmate and stuck it out together. So that was really cool to watch. I guarantee you that if you were, um, if you were born the same year as Nick and I, uh, or a few years after, definitely before you will find something to relate to in the show that will either jog something from the memory where you're like, I haven't thought about that in forever. Like them playing mash. I was like, oh yeah, I did determine my future from a piece of notebook paper. (laughs) And they like, and they have such an earnesty about it. they're like, oh yes, I'm living in a mansion. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, they have such an earnest about the reality of how you felt about those things back in the day. Yo, I also like how the creators of the show, like the filmmakers or, or editors or whatever, they play into those like really cheesy tropes from the 90s, like cinema and TV, like how every time that dude Brant that she has a crush on comes around, it's like slow music and he's like, <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, it was nominated for an Emmy in 2019 for best writing and comedy. So that's another reason if you need, if you need like an official, uh, you know, corroboration of its goodness, uh, that's a reason. Um, and like Andy Samberg is an exec producer on it. And like, I some of the produ- know that that makes sense mm-hmm. though, somehow. So it's got some good backing behind it. And it's these girls first big project together. I think that that supporting like young artists who are creating and writing and doing directing and doing all that stuff on their own, these like really passion projects are just really, really cool things to support as well for views. 100%, 100%. So make sure you check them out, guys. It's it's good. It's good. Good, lighthearted comedy. Yeah. And we, again, based on what we said earlier in this episode, we all need a little bit of lighthearted comedy within all of the barrage of of craziness that is the is the current state of our world yo you know what i want as a matter of fact if you're listening to this right now first of all thank you 
Second of all, if you do decide to watch Pen15, I want to know somewhere on some platform in some comments what you relate to from that show, awkward or not, because I have a few things that I can relate to from Pen15 that are not so desirable to speak about. <laughs> but yeah, I want to I want to hear you guys' story about how you relate to that. So let us know. Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> yeah. Don't even want to go into what I relate to. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, maybe on the bonus content. Um, <laughs> yeah, cool. Okay, um, so I, I want to hear now, Richard, um, what... What this week are you on one about? Just what is it? What's 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 pinching your pinching your skin? What's what's pushing your buttons? What's tickling oh, your earlobe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's really getting my goat? <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, straight up. So I hate to dive us back into the world of politics, but I need to tell you that I'm so very much on one about any celebrity figure out there feeling like that they are the voice or the chosen one to speak for black people. Like it is literally standing and dancing on my last nerve. I'm just over all of these people just finding the gusto to feel like they're the ones to sort of like speak up for black America. Like they had some sort of meeting with us and we were like, yeah, you, you're the mouthpiece now. Like most recently that person is Ice Cube. And I don't know when and where Ice Cube between creating the movie Friday and, and, and his, his, his music that he made. I don't know where he thought that he was going or supposed to be the mouthpiece for Black people. And look, I'm not discrediting the plan that he has. I will say this, he has an actual plan that he's written down. We will link the link, we will link the source below in the description, but oh he's developed this sort of contract. He calls it a contract with Black America, right? And my question to him would be, who the fuck did you talk to about this contract? Because I know you are not a leading scholar in this subject, nor am I, right? I'm, I'm just a person with an opinion, just like he is. But what I'm not gonna do is take my opinion that I worked on by myself and give it to a president and say, hey, this is what black people want. I think that, I think that is so fucking dangerous, man, to, to work up the gusto, to just convince yourself that you are all of, all of a sudden the one to speak for an entire group of people, an entire race of people, that takes major balls. Now, what I know Ice Cube from is his music. You know what I'm saying? I know him from NWA. I know him from, from him being like West Coast, ride or die. Like, I, I, I get that. I love Ice Cube. Barbershop is one of my favorite movies. Black people love Barbershop. But listen, I did not ask Ice Cube to speak for me right? I didn't ask Kanye to speak for me. I didn't ask Steve Harvey to go to the White House and speak for me. I didn't ask any of these fucking people to speak for me <laughs> as a Black person. So what I don't need, actually, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to the secret this whole thing real quick, right? What I need is for the voices that are going to be in the forefront are the people who study this shit on a daily basis. People <laughs> who study numbers, analytics, waves of, 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 of effectiveness, of, of, of things that affect people of different races. I need people Rich. who are actually scholars to be speaking up and not celebrities who all of a sudden feel bigger than the pants that they're wearing. It's too much. You're more than welcome to your opinion, but step the fuck back, bro, and let a professional handle that. All that said, 
check out Ice Cube's plan. You may find something very, something very <laughs> discoverable in it. It sounds very much like Biden's plan. Oh, we should also say that today, Joe Biden dropped his plan for Black America. I think it's called Let Freedom Ring. So if you guys want to check out what these people have planned for Black people as a whole, we'll link that below so you can check it out. But I'm over it. Take a step back, sit down. Well, also, I feel like it's problematic because you've been in, in the spotlight. You've been celebrity. Like, you are so far removed from just people in general. Listen, and it's like- <laughs> let me let me quickly, one, one, one last little, little note about this because I know that our, I know we're supposed to be quick about this on one thing, right? What you just said is absolutely right. And the thing that I saw that's missing from his contract with Black America, there was nothing about supporting like uh, mental health, right? There was no initiatives behind mental health and the, the developmental nature of, of, of Black people. It was all about dollar signs. It was all about guaranteeing that 20% uh, of whatever you see on TV is going to be produced by Black people or created by Black people. It was all about like um, the wealth gap. It was all about... Uh, even in it was about like 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 loan reform and loan reconstruction and saying I think his his figure was like fourteen percent of uh, loans that come from banks should be given to black people and it's like wow there is room to talk about all of this right and there's room to figure it out I don't know what that says for the other brown people in America you know what I mean I don't know what this contract with Black America specifically says about the other brown and black faces that are also in America. And I think about that. You have to fucking think globally. I can't pull myself up while leaving somebody else oppressed. And while I do respect what he's trying to do for me and my people, you got to think bigger than that, right? Because if we give if we give a contract to Black America, who else is getting a contract? I'm Black. I want these issues fixed. I want them addressed and I want them taken care of. And I want them to be, I want reform. I want justice. I want change. I want all of that but not in a way that isolates anybody else. And I don't know that this contract doesn't do that. Ice Cube, other celebrities, sit the fuck down, start a podcast or something. I hear they're yeah. really popular these days. Well, yeah, I heard, <laughs> I heard podcasts are really cool. So Ice Cube specifically responded to people like me. He's like, I hope the people who are criticizing me uh, have degrees in journalism while they're using my name on their platform. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't need a degree to disagree with you. I just need you to know that you're not the one to speak about this. But shit. also, do you have a degree, Ice Cube? Yeah, like you have you have no degree in political science, Ice Cube. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe he actually. I will have to fact check that, but like, I don't think he has a degree in economics. Yo, do you know how much I would love to be wrong about that? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I want him to be the world's foremost scholar in economics. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, but that's what I'm on about. Yeah. These celebs need to pipe down, take a back seat. With the, and, and I'm not saying that people, that celebrities should be uh, quiet on politics. That's not what I'm saying at all. But just be very weary of making yourself the leading voice on this topic if you're not actually the leading voice on the topic. Well, it's also yeah. like, it's it's a commentary on like who we value as opinion in, the, in our country, in the world. You know what I mean? It's like, this is why we have Donald Trump as a president. Because that's it's exactly like, it's why we have Donald Trump as a president. Because people who just have a platform who just get people riled up enough or who who have whatever certain amount of ability to gather attention can create the art, create the narrative and create policy and create shifts in, in our culture. And we don't, as you said earlier, like 
let's let's give it to the people who study this stuff. Let's let's listen to the people like scientists and econ- economists and the people like, who are well informed. And it's like it's yeah. just to say that like you 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 as a, any person out there who has a large platform, yes, you should use your voice. You know that that is your choice, and you should definitely exercise that right. Just stop making it about you. Stop thinking that you alone now have the solution because you have X amount of followers mm-hmm. or X amount of people know who you are. That's not yeah. how this shit works, man. Yeah. That's how we ended up with this bozo in the White House right now. So I'm trying to redirect from that as much as humanly possible. Yeah, Stan, I stand that. I stand as much that. respect to Ice Cube as a person, bro. Just like, you know, humble yourself a little bit on that topic. But I digress. I digress. <laughs> I mean, listen. I'm 1000% with you on that. I, I really agree with you on a broad range of issues in that, in that world. <laughs> well, since you agree, it is it has come the time for you to tell the people, Nick, Ooh. what are you on? What about? <laughs> if you haven't watched A Life on Our Planet by David Attenborough on Netflix, it is a moral responsibility in my opinion. I obviously have agreed with climate change since the beginning. Like I've always been down for it um, and many levels, like economically, socially, morally, human levelly, whatever, <laughs> spiritually. <laughs> um, but this was so impactful in a new way. You know, I've, uh, I've watched all the previous documentaries on climate change and I've watched all of the new, all of the uh, nature documentaries my whole life. So it's like, I get it. But this one was so much more powerful for me because this man has spent his entire life in it. He has a, a unique viewpoint that no one else has. You know, even scientists who study this, he's watched it himself. He categorizes so brilliantly about what's changing, how it's gonna change, and what the future is if we don't do something about it. And man, like I I really think the only way this is gonna happen is if we as a people stand up and all demand that this happens and take our take onus on ourselves to make it happen like we obviously want policy changes to happen in the government but if we're not doing our part as well to make sure that we do our things like take that time in your day to see how you can be more green in your life and and push legislation in your local government push legislation in vote who you vote for and respecting scientists like what you were saying like just making sure that we listen to the people that are actually knowledgeable about this stuff and this man specifically is not only a beautiful human being who would who i don't know how you could disagree with what he's trying to say in terms of his intention behind it and has no no like corporate bias or political bias on any of this this is and this is for me it's a spiritual endeavor like we're part of the ecosystem of the world and we are destroying it through our own short-term profit margins and greed and selfishness and egotism and it is a larger issue than just the climate because it represents what do we value in today's society. And if we don't get this in check by 2100, we will be in the sixth version of extinction of, of life on this planet. And the thing about it, if we go away, the earth will be fine. It will continue on. The problem is we will be gone and we are creating it so much more than we ever have. And in how many years are we away from a sixth mass extinction? Uh, 80 years. Okay, I think it's really important to know for people to repeatedly hear that that's 80 years away. But by 2030, we're going to have ice-free summers. So what that means is by 2030, during the summer, the North and South Pole will have no ice. And what that means is the sun reflects the ice to make sure we don't warm our ocean. So once the ice is gone, it's 
we're going right into the water and that will accelerate things on, on an exponential rate. Yeah. Yeah, man. And that's just, this is, he doesn't even talk about what's going to happen with mass migration as populations start getting ruined by extreme weather and different, even in America, like people are going to be flooding where we think immigration is bad. Now think about what's going to happen when whole countries can't sustain their population anymore and yeah. borders have to like, it's going to get crazy. So I, I will say this, let me just say this about a life on our planet as a whole. Um, David Edinburgh is like, <laughs> he's a gem, you know what I mean? Like he's such a gem, man. A like, national treasure, like a, a, national a global treasure. treasure. I, I like, glo honestly, global treasure. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been doing so much his whole life. Like yeah, that's so, why I trust I mean, him more than anyone because he is the one who is, is has firsthand experience with all of this. He's just seen so much of the world. And like, you know, one of my favorite things is how he opens up and he lets you know from the start, like he opens it up by saying something like, my name is, my name is David Attenborough. I'm 93 years old. Like, yo, like just that, that alone, like he's been here for 93 years, right? And he's seen so much about our world change and to not, pay attention to what this man is saying. It, it feels so personal when you watch it. It's like mm -hmm. his personal plea. Yeah, like, it is. It's a plea. It's, it's his, it's his like, uh, okay, like this sounds kind of dark, but it's sort of like his like last wish almost it is. is what yeah. it feels like. He's like, I'm writing this final love letter to the world and I want you guys to know how much I love it. And I want you to know what you're doing to it. And if you don't listen to this brokenhearted old man about what we need to do with the world, then you're a monster. I'm sorry. <laughs> Cause like- Oh, yo, I'm right there with that, with that argument. It's, I mean, it's just, and you know what? I, I was thinking about people who, you know, use the Republican talking points to say climate change is not happening. And, you know, I one, one that I've heard is like, Oh um, yeah, well, this is a natural process. The climate has warmed and cooled over, you know, a millennia, you know, over and over again. But the problem is, is that because what he makes so clear in this documentary that really hit home for me was like the reason that it's so accelerant now and why it's not normal is because we're destroying our biodiversity. The fact that we're destroying all of our lands, all of our forests, all of our oceans. That is the stuff that keeps carbon in check, that keeps the balance of the world in check. So the fact that we're destroying all of this for capitalist reasons is why it's accelerating. You know, he talks about deforestation. He talks about overfishing. He talks about overgrown populations. Like all of this stuff is very real, man. This is, again, if you don't, if you need another reason to vote for Joe Biden over Donald Trump, like Joe Biden is, okay, you could argue that maybe he's not going to be as hard on it as we want him to. He's the only one who even admits that it's happening, right? Yeah, he so you can actually that it's real. You can hold people accountable in that way because Donald Trump doesn't even admit that he wants to do anything about it. So it's like there's no choice there, in my opinion. And I don't know why you wouldn't want to live sustainably. Like if we can create energy that is sustainable, like wind, solar, water, like why would we not want that? You know, the only reason Most why we, old white dudes are like, this is the way old white dudes keep it going. Well, and they're all invested in the money that they're getting from the fossil fuel industry. So it's like, yeah, it's, exactly. oh, it's like, it's this fear of change and fear of like doing anything different because they're like old and crusty and don't yeah. want to like change. But also in it's the, like in, in the fear of lessening your wallet, because you, you want to build this pipeline because you know, you can like have your homies crew do it. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like, we are not gods on earth. We are, we are simply not. We are 
have a, a moral responsibility to live among the world we live in. And even if you don't care about animals, even if you could give a fuck about like their, their happiness, or even if you're on that side, like we need them to make sure that our ecosystem functions properly. You know, we need them. And that, and that's where I get so like crazy about it. Cause it's like on an objective level, it makes sense. Not even like morally, but it's like functionally, it makes sense. Yeah, um, if, we did no fish zones in a third of the world's oceans. We would have enough enough fish sustainably for the entire population. That is so easy to make no fish yeah. zones. And then we wouldn't have to worry no about fish zone, no hunting zones. It's so easy. But man. it would sustain enough fish in production for the entire world. It just yeah. for a couple places where you can't fish. It's so bonkers to me that we can't we can't give a fuck about this as a as a as the a whole deforestation, stop throwing up all these random condos. Listen, I'll tell you. I know this doesn't make much sense or it may not directly correct, but I, you know, even being back in Pittsburgh recently, seeing the amount of deer that run around in like heavily populated areas and they look confused and don't know which way to go because like we're on their land and like we've infiltrated and they're just here with us because it was theirs before and now we put ourselves there. It's actually pretty sad, man. Like, well, and we can live with among them. Like it's like, it's, we can have our places to live as humans the way we want to and make sure we make spaces for them to live. Right. Like yeah, it's not it's, like it's not completely destroying their habitat to build our own. It's not an or situation. We just, and yeah. this is why I get so mad when Trump talks about deregulation as a good thing, because it's like, that's regulations are what we need to survive. Absolutely. Oh God. Yeah, I'm sure someone like Donald Trump would love for a lot of things to go on deregulated. That's how his taxes are right now. He's already done it. Like <laughs> as I said earlier, it's like his de the we've lost emissions in despite his deregulation because of what Obama put in. So it's like it's yo, moral of the story is if you're pretending that climate change is not real, you're not real. Literally, you're not real. And you won't be real if you, you keep won't be a real it. person ever. <laughs> So yeah, I mean, I that's what I'm on one about, and I'm exhausted now. Jeez. Ugh. Fucking acknowledge climate change, you weirdos. <laughs> and do something about it. You do grip. something about that shit, man. Dum dum. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone, as always, if you have made it this far, then Nick and I both would like to thank you personally for your continued support of Routine Progress. Now, if you need any informational sources, you want to fact check us, uh, all that information can be found in the description below. Yeah, and if you are enjoying our content, please like, comment, and subscribe across all platforms. And now uh, we are a self-funded uh, platform here, a self-funded podcast. So if you'd like to support us financially, you can find that link in our uh, YouTube description or in our Spotify bio. That's right. Also, if you guys want to reach out to us for any questions, comments, or if you want to talk to us about uh, topics that you'd like to see us discuss in the future, then feel free to reach out to us at routineprogresspod at gmail.com. Again, that's routineprogresspod at gmail.com. Holla at us. Yeah, holla, 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 holla. And as always, people, stay informed. And stay real. That's right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Rage out, man. <laughs> no, it's a for me, honestly. You're right. <laughs>
rock the balloons. <laughs> I said, this is what my apartment looks like. Oh right? my god, <laughs> You really went all out, didn't you? Yeah, right? <laughs> you are Joanna Gaines. I am Joanna Gaines. <laughs> This is going to turn into a home makeover episode now. I fucking hope so. Watch me transform my space. This is no longer a conversational podcast. This is an apartment makeover podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Got a new comfy chair. It's yellow and white. Ooh. Again, Joanna Gaines is in the (laughs) Joanna Gaines doesn't want to fucking see me. (laughs) Joanna Gaines has entered the chat. (laughs) So I developed this whole like... I don't know, basically fan theory that Joanna is actually secretly in love with that woodworker guy. That I think hired. that too. Yes, right? She's deeply, madly in love with him. I, I want to write like an erotic fan fiction for the two of them. It's clearly they're deeply, madly in love and need to spend forever together. Like if we both know this nigga, then it's true. One, two, three. You start. Hey. <laughs> okay. Um, we're just really here on a journey to explore, um, to, to, uh, to, fuck, um, oh God, I'm sorry. Nick is trying to say that we're here to better ourselves in the world around us we're, and we want to explore journey. that. We're on a journey to better ourselves. I'm on a journey, guys. I'm on a journey. Life's a journey, guys. It's a journey. Just bear with me on my journey. Okay, I promise I'll get this right. And welcome to Root Team Podcast. Pro- <laughs> welcome to Root Team Podcast. <laughs> a podcast we do routinely. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Is that what I'm supposed to say? Yes. No, that was you. It was my fault. It was my okay, fault. Got it, got it, got it. More time. <laughs> <laughs> Why does this always send us into these, like, just the, the craziest place, this intro? Because it's like... <laughs> <laughs> One more time, it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right.